Good morning. It's Wednesday. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. I love you guys so much. Do I say it enough? I, I try not to just say it every day, although I think I do say it every day, <laughs> but uh, it's genuine. Uh, I really do appreciate so much the chance to be with you and to read God's Word together. We go verse by verse through the Word of God. We're in the book of Acts right now, Acts chapter 17, and uh, I love this chapter. Uh, I really do. Um, now part of what strikes me today as I'm reading is just simply... Number one, uh, the way the book of Acts just makes it seem like, you know, this barnstorming, you know, exciting, never a dull moment, you know, missionary journey with Paul. Uh, and it is everything that you read in the book of Acts. But um, understand there's just a lot of time that goes by. And, and as Luke records this narrative for his purposes, um, there's a lot of just compression. You know, in other words, he leaves out all the traveling, and there's a lot of traveling, and they weren't moving fast, you know. So, you know, for example, it says Paul and Silas, verse 1, chapter 17, Paul and Silas traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica. Man, that sounds, you know, like a, a you know, a, a really smooth, you know, morning drive. Um, uh, and indeed, it is on a road. If you look at a map of the Roman Empire, which I think you should, it's kind of interesting. You'll see that Paul, none of this is random. And in some ways, it's part of what makes, you know, when Scripture says, you know, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. You know, it is almost like a lot of things had to be in place before the gospel really could have this opportunity to spread. And one of the things that's in place is just the roads. The Roman Empire built roads. And Paul is traveling the roads, and there aren't a lot of roads, but he's on, you know, in this case, the, the Ignatian Way. The, it's called the uh, uh, Via Ignatia, the, the Ignatian Way. Uh, it's, a, it's a main road, and Paul's going right down the road, and, and, and the cities here are the cities along the, the road. Uh, and again, these are distances of 50 miles, 100 miles, but if you're traveling on foot, um, these are long journeys, and, and, and Paul... Uh, make no mistake, is just amazing in his persistence and his patience and just the traveling. Also, you know, this is the Thessalonian ministry we're reading about today. If you read the letter of 1 Thessalonians, it's pretty clear that uh, there was an extensive ministry here. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 mentions the leaders of the church, which means Paul was there long enough to establish the church and appoint leaders. Uh, also, in Philippians, uh, the letter to the Philippians, he mentions that they sent him money several times while he was in Thessalonica. So he was there long enough for money to go back and forth, and they weren't, you know, that wasn't Venmo, y'all. I mean, you know, th that money had to be carried back and forth. Um, in First Thessalonians chapter 2, he mentions that he was working while he was there, which means Paul was there long enough to set up shop. Remember, Paul's a tent maker. And Thessalonians is one of the places where he was able to work as he taught them. So he was there uh, some amount of time. Uh, the fellow Jason that appears in the scripture today, his name is Jason. Um, Jason is, you know, he stayed in Jason's house. Most likely Jason is a tent maker too. We know that, you know, when Paul was in Corinth, he stayed with Aquila and Priscilla. They were tent makers. So we forget the way that Paul... Uh, never stopped being a tent maker, and, and, and he made his own living. He wasn't living off the ministry. Paul was living 
uh, off of his own trade. He made tents. And other scholars have pointed out how that if you follow the seasons and Paul's journeys, it's also in many ways possible that Paul is often uh, traveling during uh, the, 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 the seasonal games. You know, not only the Olympics, but all the different athletic contests where tourists would go. Paul is kind of tracking with the tourists because understand there aren't any motels. So Paul goes where the tourists are because they're the ones buying tents so they can sleep outside, you know. So Paul's a tent maker and there's a whole lot that's involved in his traveling. I just want to point some of that out. Let me get to the story. Well, let me say this too. Uh, Paul's in Macedonia now. Remember the dream? Come over to Macedonia. And I just am sort of also struck by the, the several times that Luke goes out of his way to mention the women. Macedonian culture uh, had a, a little more of a prominent place for women in civic life, in social life. They had a, a, a higher status. And so you notice how many times, uh, of course, chapter 16 with Lydia, but, but uh, all of these times where it says, you know, uh, yeah, there were converts and, and, and quite a few of them were prominent women. You know, it just always seems to tag uh, the, 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 the women and, and their role. Uh, Paul and Silas said, um, you know, many converts and along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. You know, so there are several times in this Macedonian section where women are, are, are mentioned. I, th I think that's just fascinating. Uh, let me jump right to it. So in Thessalonica, it is Paul's custom. He goes first to the synagogue and he preaches, you know, Sabbath by Sabbath, week by week. He has a pretty good response a number of Jews, but, uh, but, but uh, a large number of Greeks and, again, prominent, influential women. Um, in First Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul mentions how many of them came from idol worship. So it sounds like most of the converts were probably God-fearing Greeks or, or, or those who had some sort of other background. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's hard to know, but it sounds like when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, uh, more of them were coming from a pagan background. And anyway, the Jews get jealous. The Jews get jealous. Uh, the jealousy uh, probably has to do with the fact that, that they're following Paul. It could be the number of, of the God-fearing Greeks that are coming out of the synagogue and now following Paul. Because understand, the Greeks in, in these Roman cities, Greek God-fearers in the synagogues give the Jews a little more credibility, probably a little more money. Uh, and so for that reason, they don't like the fact that Paul is gaining this incredible response. So uh, they gather up some troublemakers from the market and they just sort of get a mob going. Um, it, it is the Jews who seem to instigate the opposition, but don't don't reach the conclusion that Paul's enemies are always only Jews. Uh, it's pretty easy to get a Greek mob up against Paul too, and in other cases it'll, it'll just be opposition from the Roman side. So it's not always Jews, but in this case it is, and in many cases it is, because call, Paul goes to the synagogues first. There's this young man, Jason. Paul and Silas are nowhere to be found, so they attack the home of Jason because that's where Paul and Silas had been staying. Who in the world is Jason? We don't know. His name just comes up here. Uh, I, again, in reading, I kind of feel sorry for this guy because I'm thinking, man, dang, he's been a Christian for, what, three weeks? And he's called in front of the council. He has to defend his faith, defend Paul. And that just that's a whole lot of pressure on a young man. And, and I know you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not worried about him. He's in the Bible. You know, he's a Bible character. But no, he's just a 
dude, you know? He's, he's just a guy who, who gets caught up in, you know, in these uh, amazing circumstances. He doesn't know he's going to be a Bible character, you know? He just let Paul and Silas stay at his house, and, and, and now he gets in a, a great deal of trouble. There are three charges levied, and I think they're kind of funny. The first charge against Paul and Silas is that they are making trouble all over the world. Are they though? <laughs> I mean, I know they travel, but they haven't been that many places, you know, but to the to troublemakers, you know, world, you know, <laughs> world ranging troublemakers. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, but but that's that's the charge. Number two, the charges against Jason. He's harboring, you know, world class troublemakers. And then finally, all of them are breaking decrees of Caesar. You know, you wonder, you know, are they really though? But this is back to the same charge for which Jesus is crucified. The idea that if you're talking about another kingdom, if there's another king other than Caesar, well, then that's, that's, you're, you're a traitor. That's sedition. And, and you could, it's actually a really serious charge there. And that's probably the one of the greatest concern. Anyway, they post bond, they're released and uh, Paul and Silas uh, go to Berea. Notice the difference here, the way the Bereans are described. This is why all kinds of churches and Bible studies will name themselves, you know, Berea. Because the Bereans are just, man, I mean, it, it says that they're more open-minded. I think the Greek term there is highborn, like highborn, which means these are not your ordinary, you know, Thessalonian rednecks here. <laughs> these are Bereans. It, it's, it's just this idea, man, these are just, man, these are just, I mean, it's not saying... Some people are better than others, but man, they're the, the Bereans. Like we're in Thessalonica, they they study the Bible with Paul, you know, once a week on the Sabbath. Man, the Bereans are in the Word every day with Paul and Silas. You know, they're searching out the truth. They're they're, they're discerning. Man, it's just like you know, this is ideal. This is the this their ideal. You know, Bible students and their ideal people of faith. They're just, man, it's just, you don't find a lot of places, a lot of people like this. And again, it's not that some people are better than others, but like I say, these aren't your ordinary rednecks here. These, these people got some intellect, some, some education. They got some diligence. Man, this is just, this is great, but it don't last long. It never does. It doesn't last long. What happens is you got, man, you got people from Thessalonica with nothing better to do than come down to Berea and stir up trouble for that, like they left town. But no, man, I mean, the gosh, Paul's enemies, man, they just make it their full-time job to keep, you know, dogging him and, you know, just stalking him. And that's what they do. They stir up trouble. And so once more, Paul and Silas, they, uh, actually, Paul leaves Silas and Timothy stay behind, which makes it sound like Paul at that point is the main focus of the, you know, the, the, the attack. Silas and Timothy stay behind. Paul goes on to Athens and then will send word for, for Timothy and Silas to join him. And that's where we find Paul tomorrow. The, the famous story of Paul in Athens. I love it so much. I, I've gone over. Let, let's stop right here. Pick up right here tomorrow. Uh, chapter 17, verse 16. Stay in the Word, you guys. Enjoy this beautiful day. Take your Bible outside and, and do some study. That's about what I'm going to do, I believe, this afternoon. Um, I love you all so much. Have a great day. Uh, stay in the Word, uh, and I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. Have a great Wednesday.